Welcome to Citizens Midweek. It's a podcast for our church family in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we take a deeper look at this week's sermon. We took a break last week for Labor Day, but we are back today with our pastor and friend, Tim Olson, continuing on in our fall sermon series, The Fruit of the Spirit in the Time of the Flesh. Let's go. This week was week five of our sermon series that we've been working through the fruit of the Spirit throughout the, the fall. And this week in particular, we talked about the fruit of patience. Um, specifically, the sermon was called Patience in a Time of Hurry and just kind of what it looks like for us to have been shaped by the culture around us that's pretty hurried, pretty frantic, pretty anxious in spirit. Um, and what it means for us as people that follow Jesus to kind of be patterned after God's um attitude and his his attribute of patience. So um, talked about a lot of things, talked about how there's kind of biblically in the Greek, two different forms of the word patience. There's both a patience and circumstances, the ability to kind of wait through long or hard seasons to kind of be patient towards a certain outcome and also patience towards the people around us. So just being able to be patient with the people in your life, maybe if they're being frustrating or angry or, or disappointing or something, the ability to endure patiently with people. Um, and then kind of talked about in all of those things that we only respond um, with patience because of God's patience towards us. So looking specifically at Exodus 34, I'm talking about one of God's main character attributes. So all of the Bible and given to us one for one of the first times in Exodus is that he is slow to anger. Um, so we looked at that and talking about how God is slow to anger. Um, God is really patient with us kind of throughout the whole canon of scripture, God being slow to give punishment that we deserve. Um, number two, that God is abounding in steadfast love. That's a, his steadfast love is paired with his patience in this passage, um, that both things are true about him and how that kind of helps us see the character of God and then ultimately leading to the gospel that God was patient because he knew that even from the very first sin of mankind, um, he put a plan into place that for generations down the road from Adam and Eve, um, he would eventually out of Adam and Eve's line bore be born hmm. out of Adam and Eve's line would come Jesus Christ to, to fix the wrongs that they had started in their sinfulness. And um, that, you know, the Bible says that Christ came at the right time to die for sinners. So um, God's patience ultimately leading up into our own redemption and stuff like that. So yeah, overall it was an exciting sermon. We, it was also just an exciting day in general. We also had a baptism after the gathering, which was just really exciting, really fun. And we had our fall festival after the gathering too. So overall a really fun day. Um, I think the part that stood out to me the most from the sermon um, was just kind of looking at, you know, that stuff from Exodus 34, um, the the main attributes of God that are kind of woven as a theme throughout really a lot of scripture that in a lot of the ways that God um, kind of identifies himself or Israel identifies with the character of God, that phrase in Exodus 34 kind of becomes almost like the the longer name of God, right? It's like, I am Yahweh, who is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, etc. Like that really becomes associated with Israel's recollection of who God is. So um, the Bible Project, who I like to listen to a lot, they did a longer f- few podcasts this year about kind of the pattern of those words and those combos of words kind of appearing in a lot of places in the Bible. Um, yeah, so that was cool. Just a cool reminder that um, abounding in steadfast love, being slow to anger that God says that's really core to who he is as a, as a, as a, not a person, but it's really core to who God is in and of himself. And that's how we relate to him as somebody who is slow to anger. So 
yeah, that's what I thought stood out to me. What about you, Tim? What kind of stuck out while you were preparing for this week's sermon? Yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest things is, like you were saying, with God's heart for uh, being slow to anger, like his greatest heart, that Dane Orland quote uh, from Gentle and Lowly, where his, his heartbeat is mercy, that if you uh, prick him, that mercy is going to gush forth. It's bent up, ready to gush forth. But then I also think about just like how many... Uh, sermon rewrites this sermon underwent because of how many examples in the life of Jesus that I kept wanting to go to to talk about patience. I mean, uh, in particular, the one I came back to a lot was Jesus' uh, patience with Peter and just how patient Jesus was in all of his dealings with Peter. I mean, you have example after example. So you have Matthew 14, Jesus walks on water. Peter's like, I'm going to join you. He steps out of the boat to walk on water. He takes his eyes off of Jesus. And because of his lack of faith, he starts to sink. And Jesus receives him, saves him, welcomes him, rescues him. Uh, Matthew 16, Jesus, two chapters later, Jesus is telling his disciples about how he's going to suffer and be killed. And Peter's like, that's not true. You're never going to, that's not, we're not going to let that happen. And he literally is like, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. And he's just so like patient again. And uh, long suffering with him. And then, you know, John 18, Peter's like, I'm never going to betray you. And Jesus is like, you're going to betray me before the rooster crows three times. And Peter betrays him. But right before he betrays him, they're in the garden and the guy, the soldiers come up to take Jesus and Peter reaches out his sword and cuts off the guy's ear. <laughs> so it's just like Peter is the definition of impulsive and reactive and immediate. And Jesus continues to just be patient all the way leading up to uh, the end of the book of John, where Jesus restores Peter into ministry and um, kind of sets him up as the leader of the Jewish church um, going forward. And so just his faithfulness there. Um, so looking at that, and then also just looking at, man, God's continual patience for his people, like just his His continual slowness of wrath, uh, just ready for mercy and just how uh, different that is than me, right? So I told the story, uh, the joking story about milkshakes, but legitimately like there were stories I could have shared from yesterday afternoon on the way <laughs> to the gathering where I was frustrated about my car is broken and, and needs to get fixed and uh, we're going out of town and stressful and uh, Harper fell and, and scraped up her forehead that morning. And it's just like all the things that I just am like bent up, ready to explode with rage and frustration and passion. I'm the opposite of long passion. I'm short tempered, short fused <laughs> and just how I'm so unlike God mm. and how patient he is and how that, that is so hard for me to grasp and understand um, and really live out of that reality. Yeah. Yeah. Patience has not been one of my strongest virtues for a long time either. And I think I used to kind of joke about this, like some quirky personality trait, um, but just kind of seeing you know, the fruits of the spirit, they're not, they're not individualized in the way that we would like them to be. But if I'm called to follow Jesus, I'm called to grow in patience, whether I like it or not. But I, you know, I think it's easy for me the same way to be very, you know, we chalk it up to be, Oh, I'm just really passionate. I'm just very energetic. I'm just very, um, I don't know. I'm very, uh, I have a lot of zeal, you know, but it's like, no, you're impatient. You're a jerk sometimes. Like you don't, you don't bear with people or situations for very long. And, um, yeah, I totally get that. We're, we're very similar in that way. Which I mean is, like we talked about, it, it is our culture. Like our mm -hmm. culture is one. I mean, we, we talked, talked about this a lot in teaching team. If we could name this sermon really patience in a time of reactivity, because our culture is just one where it's like respond, 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 respond. I immediately have to have a well-formed opinion for exactly whatever it is. And I got to be like, I got to be ready to go. And we just want everything to be fixed immediately. And we don't know how to sit and we don't know how to wait. And we don't know how to be okay with uncertainty and with, um, 
yeah, just like discomfort in our lives. And and one of the quotes, it didn't make it into the sermon. One of the things I've been thinking about a lot is this quote from Alan Kreider. He wrote a book uh, that has just been really good. I'm, I'm reading through it right now called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church, where he talks about how one of the markers of the early Christians in Rome under persecution was their patience, how much they waited on the Lord. And he has this, this dynamite quote where at the end of it, he says, um, Christian writers called patience, early Christian writers in the early church called patience the highest virtue, the greatest of all virtues, and the virtue that was peculiarly Christian. The Christians believed that God is patient and that Jesus visibly embodied patience, and they concluded that they, trusting in God, should be patient, not controlling events, not anxious or in a hurry, and never using force to achieve their ends. How they just were so convinced God is patient, and Jesus is the embodiment and the... the um. Yeah, the embodiment of that patience. And so we too are going to be patient and entrust right. ourselves to God. Yeah, that's really even the part of not using force to procure our ends. Because I think in a very Americanized Western sense, uh, and maybe I'm not saying that it can't be this way anytime, but we definitely probably default to the, it's our Christian duty to act. It's our Christian duty to respond, um, to procure outcomes. And I don't know. I'm not saying that I'm throwing all that out right now. It's just something, an interesting juxtaposition to consider maybe <laughs> which we talked about even in the prayer sermon last sure, fall with yeah. be with jesus right and we we had this whole big debate about is you know we can't say prayer is not action like prayer is because doing some of something prayers and activity yeah, yeah but there's this pull within us to be like okay I'll, I'll pray but what can i do right like i'll be praying for you but like what can i do to help and it's like that i get what that we're saying in that and what we're asking in that but without realizing prayer is the first movement of action always on behalf of christians that we entrust ourselves to god who can do more in an instant than we can do in a lifetime and how good and and faithful he is to work and how powerful he is on his timing Uh, what are we going to dive deep on this week, Tim? Yeah, I think I want to dive deep a little bit on time, according to God. Uh, so st- stick with me here a little oh, bit. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, so there's two words the Bible uses for time uh, pretty consistently in the New Testament. The first is the word chronos or chronos, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And that's pretty the idea of for us, right? where we get chronological yeah. time, yeah. right? A, then B, then C. We, we live a linear timeline schedule where, uh, you know, this year's 2021, next year's going to be 2022, and then 20, like we have a, a chronological time, chronos. But then there's this other word in the New Testament that is used, and it's the word kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S in our, in our English uh, transliteration. And it means at the appointed time. And often throughout the scriptures, we see God acting. Uh, in, uh, we see, sorry, we see humans in our limited view focusing on uh, the chronos, the chronos, the, the linear time. We say, okay, God is slow. God is delaying because what's happening to us on our timetable is, uh, event A happens and we want immediacy response. And what you see happening in the scriptures is this idea that God acts not according to our desired uh, chronological timeline, but uh, according to his kairos, according to his appointed time that he, uh, you see this even in the idea of Jesus returning, right? Coming to make all things new, his return, new heavens and new earth is going to be according to the Kairos, at the appointed time, the time that God works. And so God works outside of our ideas of time. And this is what I love about this is that uh, what that means, God always working in Kairos means that God is never too slow and he's never too quick. 
He's never faster than he should be, and he's never slower than he should be. He always works all things according to his good purposes at his appointed time. And so we think about this in light of uh, the passage we talked about on Sunday with Second Peter 3, where it talks about, you know, Peter's talking to this church in exile. They're undergoing uh, intense religious persecution for the sake of the gospel, and they keep they start kind of giving up hope. Jesus is never going to return. He's never going to come back. We're never going to be redeemed uh, towards a new heavens and a new earth. And he he basically it says, hey, don't count the Lord's delay as slowness. He's not slow. And we think slow is a bad thing, right? In our culture, like slow is a pejorative, right? If um, we go to a restaurant and the service is bad, we usually say it's what? The service was slow, yeah. right? Or if yeah. we go see a movie and the movie well, that's was bad. That's the metric for how good it is. Yeah. It's how fast we, the it movie is. was bad. We're like, oh, well, the movie was slow. Yeah. Right? Like we use slow as huh. a negative thing. Traffic, traffic, slow. Like slow is this enemy. And God says, hey, don't, the Lord is not slow. He's not slow in maintaining his promise. He is patient and he works according to his timetable. And that's what's so shocking about the Bible is you just can't speed up God. Like you just can't. And so many humans and so many followers of Jesus throughout the this the narrative of the scriptures try to speed him up. They're like, God's not working fast enough. I mean, this is so much of the idolatry in the Old Testament, uh, from the golden calf in Exodus to the worship of Baal in Judges. Like it's just so much. I'm trying to rush God. God is not doing what we want. He's not giving us a king fast enough. He's not giving us our land fast enough. He's not giving us a Messiah fast enough. Let's gotta take matters into our own hands. But you can't rush God. God works according to his appointed time. He works on his own timetable, on his own schedule, and it's always for our good. I think this is true. Um, you know, on the one hand, this is good news for us because it means that God is patient with us to come to repentance. He's patient with us in our spiritual maturity. He's patient with us in our sanctification. He's often more patient with our spiritual growth than we are with our own spiritual growth. But he, that means he's also patient in a frustrating way with our desire for judgment, right? Our desire right. for justice, right? So something happens in our world. Something happens in our personal lives, and we want justice immediately. That person hurt us. How do we get justice immediately? That person is doing that wrong thing. How do we get justice immediately? And God doesn't work according to our timetable. And we can't speed him up in terms of his justice. He is patient and he's patient with us, but he's also patient with others. And, and that irks us because we want the patience for us. We don't want the patience for others. And I think, I mean, this was shocking. One of the most one of the most crazy shocking things really over the past couple of years that put the gospel on display was thinking back to the, the shooting of the Charleston Nine at that church, right? And just the way that all of the families responded to the the murder, right? With patience, with mercy, with grace. And God, like that, and that everyone being like, we don't have a category for this. Like, what, what does this mean? And how they were like, no, God is so kind and merciful and gracious and patient to us. We are going to, to show that same mercy and patience. And we didn't have a category for it. Morally, as a society, yeah. we didn't have a category for it because we want justice immediately, judgment immediately. Um, Right now, we're watching through... I'm just going to keep hitting all the hot topics. Uh, right now, Lindsay and I are watching through the Netflix documentary, right? T- Saturday was the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And they released this docuseries about 9-11. And, and it's interesting, in episode three of that docuseries, how every single politician, senator, governor, president, vice president, uh, secretary, um, Colin Powell, all of these folks, their whole refrain for the first six months after the terrorist attacks for 9-11 on the World Trade Centers was, we will declare justice. We will have judgment. There will, we are going to make these people pay. And it's just so fascinating how God is so, the one who is righteously able to say that, righteously able to do that, 
how he's so patient in the midst of all of our injustice and suffering and sin. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I don't know if this is more Christian or more secular, the way that it's just seeped into the way that we talk about things. But I think maybe for the Christian, we've just kind of learned as we've been caught up in the spirit of the age to really differentiate the two. Like, we can and should pursue swift justice and then almost just like, I don't know, pacify our own impatience with God by doing what we can to get our just desserts now. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't pursue like legal justice when there are wrongs. Like, of course, there's a biblical category for like tangibly righting wrongs. But I just like wonder sometimes if our fero- ferocity, you know, for for seeing specific outcomes in light of injustice is our attempt to be God in our lives, you know? I don't know. Because like, I want us to pursue justice. I want... I want crimes to be punished and I want debts to be repaid. And I yeah. want, but like at the same time, like has society co-opted a little bit of like, we're obsessed with justice in this age because we're actually obsessed with being the gods of our own lives. I don't know. Yeah. Just a thought I'm having. I'm not saying anything to fit. I mean, even in two weeks, right? We're going to talk about goodness in a time of brokenness. Yeah. And one of the aspects of goodness, this next fruit of the spirit right. in two weeks is that we re- fight for redemption. We fight right. for what is broken being brought yeah. back to flourishing. And part of how we do that is by acknowledging what is off right. and fighting for justice in those areas. God right. is not anti-justice. God yeah. is the epitome and the definition of he's justice. he's made us ambassadors of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And part of how we reflect him is, right? Yeah. How we bear his image is by fighting for good biblical justice. And I think sometimes like you're saying in that mirroring we can do what the psalmists often do right Mm -hmm. which is like lord when are you going to avenge this when are you going to do this and god continually going vengeance is mine i will repay which we have the beautiful example of then on the cross right that god does always act in justice whether it's justice poured out on his son which then gives mercy to the guilty or justice enacted uh on on the guilty but even in the midst of that he's patient even in the midst of his judgment, I mean, we were talking about this in teaching team, right? The example of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot, right? And it's like, well, that seems like God acted pretty swiftly, right? Burned a whole city down. Uh, you know, uh, Lot's wife turned to, to salt, a pillar of salt, right? But even right before that, what happened, right? Abraham's talking to God us. and Abraham's like, All right, well, if you find this many righteous, will you spare it? And God's right. like, yeah. If you find this many righteous, will you spare it? And God's like, yeah, right. He sends angels right. into the city to preach the good news of the gospel, yeah. to rescue to be out, able lot. To bring out the righteous. And so even in that, he's patient, right? You have the example of Noah, right? And the flood, one of these ultimate acts in scripture of God's judgment on the earth. He literally sends a flood to wipe out the earth and basically start new with humans. How long does it take Noah and his day to build that boat? Right. And how many interactions and conversations does he have with these people? Right. This call to repentance. And so God is not. Uh, and even in all of that, and I think this is where that Dane Ortland quote in Lamentations 3 is so helpful. Lamentations 3, 33, we read it on Sunday, says God does not afflict from the heart. And I think that's what's so different about God's desire for justice and our desire for justice is that our uh, immediacy and impulsivity and reactivity of anger is often the the evil and the uh, fairness that we have right. within our heart. And God doesn't afflict from the heart. He's merciful right. from the heart. He yeah. is provoked to anger. He does have righteous judgment and wrath for sin and sinners, but it's not the, at the core of who he is. At yeah. the core of who he is, is holiness. And at the core of who he is, is love, yeah. right? God is 
love. You never see God as anger, right? He's yeah. provoked to anger. He's provoked to righteous wrath. But God doesn't act on his impulses in the same way yeah, that we do. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> his impulse is his character, which is good. You know, the character that we've been talking about here, which is very different than the kind of impulse that we have from our centers, you know? Like, we're glad for it. And, like, you should be glad for it because God's patience has led you to having the opportunity to be a Christian. <laughs> I mean, you know, God's patience with me led me to believing in the gospel, you know, like, and it, it, that's the tough part. It's like, I'm th- and you've said it already. Like I'm thankful for patience towards me. I'm resentful towards patience to- with other people, other people sometimes. Um, and that's, yeah, that's just simple. That's not the way of Jesus. It's not the fruit of the spirit that we're trying to work out here. And I mean, it's just even shocking. Lindsay and I were talking about this. We, a bunch of us from citizens read through the Bible last year and she was making a comment as we were talking about Exodus, where she was like, man, even reading the Bible, I grew impatient with the Israelites. Like I read through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, Joshua, like even into the, the Kings and things like that. And she's like, I was getting annoyed. Like I was like, just follow God. Stop worshiping false idols. Stop being stupid. Like I am impatient and I'm not the one they're sinning against. Like God is the one they're sinning against. And yet God is infinitely more patient with them than I am. Um, because we want that immediacy. We want that reactivity and that impulsivity. Anything else you have for us today, Tim? Yeah, I think uh, we just encourage uh, our church family to, to, to spend some time this week looking at the practice guide. Obviously, like the, those are so helpful. Um, one of the practices on there in particular is a practice on waiting. Uh, this is a, probably a new spiritual practice to a lot of us. Uh, I don't think about like waiting on the Lord as, as something that I'm like, I'm going to read my Bible, pray and wait on the Lord today. Um, but it's an invitation a lot in scripture uh, to wait on the Lord, to, to trust, to depend on the Lord. Uh, and so there's a guided exercise through Psalm 62 that I think is going to be really helpful where it's, it's basically um, casting our cares on the Lord, what we did last week with first Peter three, and then waiting on him giving it to him, laying it at our feet, whether it's a suffering we're walking through that we want to be alleviated now, whether it's a relationship that we want to cancel or reconcile immediately, whether it, whatever, whatever within us is discontent in a particular situation and we feel like God is not moving according to our timeline, this is an invitation for us in light of Psalm 62 to work through this passage and let God's word and God's spirit move us to waiting on the Lord, to slowing down. Um, I think one of the things that was just, uh, continue to come up or come up over and over and over again is how speed and hurry is such an enemy to our relationships to Jesus, such a barrier to us actually walking with the Lord. And some people say it really strongly. I mean, you know, Dallas Willard says like you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life, or you know, Ronald Rollheiser, the quote about we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. Like there are a lot of people who like are raising the red flag about this, particularly in the movements of spiritual formation over the past twenty to thirty years. But I think just acknowledging like speed and Christian discipleship don't go together more often than not. And that doesn't mean we don't have ambition. That doesn't mean we don't work hard. We don't go after things. We don't move through life uh, wanting or having good godly ambition. But I just mean speed. The need for hurry uh, is so hard to reconcile with abiding with Christ, with the slow work of Christian maturity. Um, I love Eugene Peterson um, for this, where he talks about just, you know, he calls discipleship the long obedience in the same direction. And hurry just doesn't have that category. Hurry doesn't have the category of, this is going to take some time and I'm going to play the long game. I mean, I even think about like, you know, I'm turning 30 in a few weeks. Yeah, you are. Thank you. And, uh, 
Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 30. Like that's a baffling thing. You know what I mean? That like Jesus himself is not in a hurry. Right. Uh, and go ahead. Podcast listeners can make the joke of like, why are you in ministry? We're going to stop Jesus meeting was? until after Tim's 30th uh, birthday. We'll see you again in six weeks for yeah. gatherings. Um, but just how like patient Jesus is. He's never, uh, he does a lot. Jesus does an incredible amount of stuff yeah. in the three years, but he doesn't do everything. Mm. He doesn't do everything there is before him. Right. He's slow. He listens to the father. He gets alone with God. He communes with him. And he says, I do what the father is doing. Yeah. I do the specific things laid out in front of me. And so I think just continuing to fight back against the speed of our culture, the hurry of our culture mm. um and being willing to go hey this this i gotta be willing to slow down sabbath silence and solitude right. prayer rest scripture all of that that just takes time yeah it takes it takes a long obedience in the same direction yeah i i just think too like the picture of or the idea that jesus was really unhurried and unscandalized by the spirit of the age that he lived in like the things that made the culture he existed in what it was did not necessarily press on him that much, you know, in the same way that it might for us. I mean, I'm very, I think I'm very scandalized by the spirit of the age. And sometimes I feel like that's an imperative. Like it's important for us to be in tune. And Jesus certainly knew what was going on, but he wasn't, he, he, his, uh, his purpose and his mission, his goal was not altered because of the demands being pressed on him by the spirit of the age that he lived in, in the ways that maybe some of us are, but yeah, he was, steadied and unhurried and patient I mean it's what it is well that's all the time we have for this week guys Um, we'll see you next week at the gathering Sunday at 5 o'clock and we'll catch you next week on the next episode